You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. How many know what you wear can change how you feel? Oh, yeah. What you wear can change how you feel. Turn to somebody next to you, tell them, you look good today. Now, if you look better than them, don't say anything, but... Some of you wore some clothing today because it puts you in a frame of mind, puts you in a, a mode, gives you energy and Anybody ever feel different because of what you wear? You, you, you put on certain clothes and it, it's just not right. No, with a wonderful wife and three wonderful daughters, what you wear matters a lot of times. They say dress for success. If it was up to me, I would just wear black all the time. This seems appropriate. It just always looks good. If it was good enough for Johnny Cash, I think it's good enough for most people. Uh, and I'm just going to take this off for a minute just to wear all black. Just Kristen loves, loves it. My daughter Ava's playing baseball. And uh, she wanted to play, play baseball, so that was great. But you can't just walk out on the baseball field just with any old clothes on. You got you to gotta wear the right thing. You got to dress for success. Some of you wear a work uniform. And I don't know, sometimes that helps you. Sometimes that hurts you. But it impacts your mood. It impacts how you feel about what you're going to do on a given day. And those in the military served our military. It's quite an emphasis put on how you look, what you wear, because it, it makes a difference in what happens on the battlefield, so they say. And I assume that it does because it's been around a long time. We have an event coming up called Trunk or Treat. And oh my, the things people wear. And I'm not just talking about the, the community. I'm talking about the people in this church. And in particular, our family and my family. It's amazing how clothing trends make us feel a certain way. I have some clothing that I wear that dates back to the early 2000s. Glad to wear them. Puts, takes me back. Makes, <laughs> again, Kristen is cringing through this whole thing. She's like, just stop. Just stop. Only to be outdone by Nathan Barnum's wallet, who's been around since, uh, you can see a nice display 
Been around 40 years or so? Close. Okay. Yeah. But it's intriguing to me that what you wear, what covers you, can change a lot about you. How you feel about walking into a place. And some people feel intimidated even walking into a church because they don't have, quote unquote, the right clothes on. And that's unfortunate, but we understand that that is the reality in a lot of circles. There's restaurants you walk into or places you go that it matters to you how you're covered. And I want to preach to you on this subject this morning, covered, covered. The unending quest of God, and I love the song that we sang, is that he would dwell with us. God's unending quest is that he would dwell with us. The whole point of reconciliation God reconciled the world unto himself. Why? So he could dwell and have relationship with us. And every turn of the page of Scripture reminds us that the heart of God is to know creation and for us to know him. And I don't want you to lose that. It's simple to say, but it's very powerful when you understand that God is constantly trying to reconcile the world. He's constantly trying to dwell with humanity. Why? Because God cares about us. God wants to be in the midst of everything in your life. He wants to dwell in every aspect of your world, every aspect of your day, God wants to be in. He wants to dwell in. All of your planning, God wants to be able to be a part of your planning and how you live your life and even the suffering that you would walk through. God would say, I want to be in the midst of that. I want fellowship with you. He wants to dwell with us. Now, In the beginning, God walked with humanity. God was not ever far from Adam and Eve. In fact, we find that even when man sinned and humanity stepped away from God's plan, we read in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam, his wife, and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. What does that mean? God was present. God was dwelling in their midst, but humanity hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? I find it intriguing that this is the first statement that God makes to fallen humanity. Where are you? I think we need to take hope in that question. 
Because God could have said a lot of things. God could have said a lot of things to Adam and Eve in that moment. But what he says is not even a statement. It's a question. Where are you? In other words, I've been dwelling with you. I've been walking with you. And yet my plan hasn't changed. I'm still looking for you. Even though you've walked away from me, even though what you've done has separated you from me, I've still got it in my heart to to find you. Where are you? God wants to come to us. He wants to know where you are. He wants to dwell with you today. I think that's powerful for us to know. I don't care what you've done. And if you have never heard this before, let me say it. And if you've heard it a thousand times, I encourage you to tune your ear to what I'm saying. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you've strayed. It doesn't matter where you've ended up in your life. I tell you this today. God is still asking the question, where are you? He still cares about your life. He still cares about your existence because he wants to dwell with humanity. And this past Wednesday, Kristen started our new series for Growth University entitled Celebrating Jesus in the Tabernacle. We'll be spending the rest of September diving into the tabernacle, how it was made and why it was set up the way it was and how it points to Jesus Christ. And I encourage you to join us for that series. But God told Moses in Exodus chapter 25, verse number eight, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. He said, I want to set up a place where I can dwell among them. God was interested in dwelling with humanity. He was not content to be a God who was aloof. He was not content to be a God who was distant or was somehow unengaged in the affairs of men. But God desired to be personal. God wanted to be present. And so the emphasis on his presence was made. And when you look at the tabernacle, this Old Testament type, of God coming to dwell with humanity. We realize that the tabernacle plan was just a foreshadowing of what God's true intention was. The author of the book, The Grace Blueprint, which is what we're using as a resource for our Growth University series. The author, Lisa Taylor, says the tabernacle was a divine blueprint Of the incarnation. John wrote it this way and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh and dwelt. That word dwelt means tabernacled. 
that the word of God was made flesh and tabernacled among us. Christ came to represent that tabernacle. And it was in a dream that an angel came to Joseph who was engaged to Mary. And we hear about it at Christmas, but let me read it for you now. Matthew chapter 121. And she, Mary, will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, the the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. That's why Christ came. Christ came so that you and I could have an experience where God's presence could meet with us in a tangible way. That's why I said at the beginning today that I don't take for granted that God's presence showed up in this place because he is a present God. He wants to dwell with his people. Oh, hallelujah. God, through Christ, is near us. He said, I'm going to find you. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to save you. Not only does God want to dwell with us, but I want to point out just a small element today about God's dwelling. That is simply this, that God's dwelling was more than just some interaction with people. God's dwelling was meant to be more than just some cursory conversation that people have with God. But God's dwelling was, in fact, his covering in our lives. Now watch how God unfolds his intention Genesis chapter 3, let's go back. The eyes of both of them were open. They knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. They realized in this moment something was wrong. There was shame. There was guilt. There was condemnation. And so they attempted in their own way to cover or to hide their shame, to hide what was going on. And so they sewed fig leaves together. But it says that they, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees. And then God said to them, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden. Adam said, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And God begins to outline for them the consequences of their sin. But before God would push them out, before God would ever cause them to be separated from him, God does something in verse 21. Also for Adam, it says, and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. This is not insignificant. 
this is not just a random moment. But here's what I believe, that God was saying, while your sin is separating you from me and you have reached for something other than my presence and you found something that you thought would satisfy your needs, I'm going to offer you something and I'm going to cover you. What was he saying? In other words, you are going to leave this place with a representation of me wherever you go. In other words, I know you've walked away, but I am going to be with you. I'm going to cover you wherever you walk, wherever you go. God's dwelling place came a covering. What once was formed with the hand of God out of the ground now became the skin that would cover the skin of flesh that humanity had. It was a substitute skin. It was a skin that would cover the skin. And God would continue to unfold the power of this covering And it would be through the tabernacle that we watch God begin to clarify the picture of dwelling and covering. The tabernacle was a picture of God's dwelling place with humanity. They knew where they could find God. But what I also see in the tabernacle by God's design was that it was not just a dwelling place for the people of God or the people of God to meet with God, but it was literally a covering place. When the priest would walk into that place, he wasn't walking into an open sky. He wasn't walking into an environment that you could see anywhere, but he was literally walking into the presence of God, a place that was completely covered. When he walked into the inner court, there were layers of of covering in that uh, inner court. There were four layers that protected the tabernacle. Two of those layers were skin. The outer skin that you would see from a distance was a skin that was like badger skin or even they say maybe even dolphin skin. It kept the rain in the elements out of it. But when the priest walked in, they didn't see that skin. They saw a skin that had been laid down before that, and it was a ram skin. And when they walked into the inner court, and they looked around, and that candlestick illuminated the middle of that inner court, what they saw was not just any random skin, but the Bible says that the ram skin was dyed red. And what they saw when they walked into the tabernacle was a covering, a covering that represented blood. It represented something that they couldn't do themselves. And when the priest walked in, he wasn't standing by himself, but he was covered by blood. Oh, hallelujah. He was literally swallowed by the tabernacle. 
And when he would enter that holiest of holies, that small little room that was wrapped up in the same thing, he walked in, and by the design and the architecture of God, there was no light in there. There was no candlestick in there. But when he walked in there, something else illuminated the place, and it was the power and the presence of God. It was the glory of God. And when he looked up, he saw the red ceiling. He saw the red skin, but he also saw a mercy seat. He saw the very thing that would allow him to be changed and allow the people to find forgiveness. Oh, hallelujah. And God would come into that place and the glory of God would literally cover him. So we see in Christ, Christ came not to just dwell with us, not to just dwell by us, not to just be a stand over here and let me kind of dwell with you. Let me tell you what Christ came for. Christ came so that you and I could be wrapped up in him, so we could be absolutely covered by him, covered by his blood, covered by his grace, covered by his mercy. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus came to dwell with us and to cover us and clothe us. So Paul wrote to the Galatians. He said, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And when Jesus was resurrected, he told his disciples, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit that was to come. He said, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Put on Christ in baptism. Be endued with power from on high through the Holy Spirit. Both of these words put on and endued come from the same Greek word, which means clothed. And so for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ, as many of you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, have been filled, you've been clothed with the power of God. We are not walking around worshiping a God who is somehow distant, that we can shake his hand every now and then. No, I've come to tell you today that you serve a God who wants to cover you. He wants to cover every aspect of your life. And if you've never been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to make it really plain today. You need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's how I put on Christ. I am baptized in his name. I take on his name in baptism and that's how I can say I have put on Christ. If you're looking for power in this world, you're looking for power to overcome sin in this world, I encourage you to be baptized in the Spirit of God. Be endued, be clothed with the power of the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. And so Paul said to the Romans, and do this, knowing the time that now is as high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believe. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us cast off the fig leaves. Let us cast off the things we've tried to create on our own to satisfy our lives. Cast it off and let us put on the armor of light. Let us put on something that can make a difference not only in our lives but in the lives of those around us and he said let us walk properly as in the day not in revelry or drunkenness or lewdness or lust not in strife and envy but what does he say but put on the Lord Jesus put on the Lord Jesus put on the Lord Jesus when you put him on When you wear him, when you allow him to cover your life, it changes what you do. It changes how you act. It changes how you treat other people. So we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. God dwells with us. And God covers us. Because God wants to change us. God wants to change our nature. God wants to change our identity. God wants to change our desires. God's intention with his covering is transformation. At its core, it's transformation in your life where you're not the same person you once were. Bishop Pasley II would say, we quote it a lot, God didn't die on the cross so you could say you were sorry. He died on the cross so your life could be transformed. That's why God's way is not just a touch-up. It's not just a remodel. God's idea is that it's a start-over. He wants us to be transformed. He said, I want you to be born again. Born of water. Born of spirit. Where everything changes. And we take on his way. We take on his identity. We take on his perspective and we take on his mind. So I conclude today reading out 2 Corinthians where the apostle Paul said, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent grown, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, 
But he said, but further clothed. And watch this statement. That mortality may be swallowed up by life. Mortality, what we think of this life, at the end of the day is going to be swallowed up by eternal life. Covered. The life that you and I live, we're groaning, we're reaching for all kinds of things. Like that priest who walks into that tabernacle covered, our mortality is going to be covered by life. And so Paul said this, for this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this this mortal must put on, same Greek word, to be clothed. Put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death is covered in the victory of Christ. And everything in this life that we were striving for and reaching for is swallowed up. Mortality swallowed up in life. We may try to cover our lives with a lot of things. We can try to build our lives in ways and give ourselves purpose Try to give ourselves meaning and put together things that give us an identity in this world. But I'm telling you, at some point, mortality is going to be swallowed up. And what's it going to be swallowed up with? I want my mortality to be swallowed up in the dwelling place of God. In the place where God has prepared for me. And what is it? What is this covering? It's his blood. It's his name. I stand here today claiming the promises of God's word. I'm reminded of that song by Brooklyn Tabernacle years ago. I am covered, covered, covered by his blood walking in faith, living in hope, living in love. I am covered, covered, covered by his blood. Jesus has rescued me. So Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he had just told them that mortality was gonna be swallowed up by life. He says, therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. We go from God trying to dwell with man, which he does, 
but to us saying, God, I want to dwell in you. I want to be in you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone's in the new tabernacle, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. John wrote about it in Revelation, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. I don't know what you're covered by today, but I pray today that in this service, you will be covered by Jesus Christ who died for your sins. Would you stand with me? I love this passage and it's rich in meaning and I don't pretend to exhaust its meaning in this message today in any way. But I feel for somebody today, Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrows that fly by day, nor of the pestilence that walk in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. How can we say that when we dwell in the shadow of the Almighty? When we walk into His presence and we acknowledge His covering in our lives, changes everything said, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall come, not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see your reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Today, I invite you to make God your dwelling place. Make God your dwelling place. What is covering you? What's covering your mind? It's covering your heart. It's covering your life. Today, I'm gonna invite you to just make God your dwelling place. Some of you are facing fear. You're facing some things in your life that are troubling. And it's real. So where do we go? Do we create our own way? Do we craft our own tent? Do we craft our own building to run into? No. We realize he's already covered. He's made a way for our covering. God, I pray for this congregation today. I pray for those who have gathered here today. 
God, those who maybe God have, when they look at what they're wearing today, God, yes, they're, they're wearing maybe modern apparel. But Lord, when they look at what their spirit is wearing, what their mind and soul is wearing, God, it's a lot of flesh. It's a lot of carnality. It's a lot of things, God, that get tossed to and fro in this world. God, and I'm praying today someone would see your amazing love, your amazing mercy, your provision that started from the very beginning when you covered Adam and Eve. You protected them, Lord, and you said, I'm gonna walk with you wherever you go. God, today it is no different. You told us you would never leave us nor forsake us, and I pray someone would run to your presence today. Someone would hide themselves in your presence today. Someone would run into your presence and look up and see, God, that they're covered in your blood, that the enemy doesn't have victory. Someone who maybe has failed you this week, God, they would run in and they would find a mercy seat inside your dwelling place. They would find a place of forgiveness. They would find a place of help and hope. Lord, today there's a place of healing for someone in this room today. God, I'm praying, I'm praying today that you would cover someone in this room. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.